Hey, it's Jenny. If you're trying to get into the October mood, check out True Crime Week on Stitcher, where they're kicking off the spookiest month of the year with the creepiest and crawliest true crime podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. If you're tuning in for the first time, here's the deal. Every weekday, we're telling the stories of women from around the world and throughout history who you may not know about but should. Each month is themed. This month, we're talking about troublemakers and villains. We're covering stories from across the spectrum, from women who made good trouble, to women who thrived in illicit industries, to villains in the truest sense of the word. All of the women we're covering had a major impact on the societies in which they lived. Women, like men, have played good and bad roles in human history. To gloss over women who we may find less than inspiring is to accept a diminished and inaccurate place in the historical record. Today we're talking about a woman who made good trouble. She was never afraid to speak up about her beliefs, even when it meant risking jail time. Her work was instrumental in cementing free speech laws that are still in effect in America today. Let's talk about Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman was born in 1869 into a Russian Jewish family. She grew up in Kovno, an imperial Russian city rife with violence, corruption, and anti-Semitism. When she was 11, Emma moved with her family to St. Petersburg, just months after the assassination of Tsar Alexander II. There, Emma was introduced to the burgeoning Russian revolutionary movement. She quickly embraced their ideas about equality and freedom for the common man. When Emma was 16, she immigrated to the United States with her older half-sister. They arrived in the New York Harbor, and she saw the Statue of Liberty towering over the water. Emma saw this as a beacon of hope, of freedom from oppression. She later wrote that she thought in that moment, we too would find a place in the generous heart of America. Unfortunately, that feeling didn't last long. It was January, cold and bleak, and just getting processed through Castle Garden was a chaotic scene, full of weary travelers and harsh officials. Eventually, Emma and her sister settled with family in Rochester, New York. She worked at a clothing factory, working 10 and a half hours a day with only a half hour break for lunch. The foreman would watch the workers constantly and the sounds from the sewing machines were cacophonous. With each day, Emma was worn down further by the monotony. One day, the woman working next to Emma fainted. The foreman claimed she was faking it and forced the workers to resume their toiling. The conditions were worse than any Emma had experienced in Russia. Emma would fume about the injustice. But her real political awakening came in 1887, with the wrongful execution of labor activists falsely accused of bombing Haymarket Square in Chicago. Emma was outraged and threw herself fully into the anarchist movement. In 1889, Emma moved to New York City and quickly became involved in the anarchist community. There, she met Alexander Berkman, a fellow Russian immigrant. 
Borrowing from the ideology of Russian revolutionaries, Emma and Alexander came to believe that political assassination was a way to spark widespread revolution. So in 1892, Alexander shot steel magnate Henry Clay Frick, who had mistreated striking steel workers. Frick survived and Alexander was arrested and sent to prison. Emma had helped Alexander with the assassination attempt, but she avoided being sent to jail. Instead, she embarked on a cross-country speaking tour. Emma quickly garnered national attention for her charm, wit, and incisive critiques of American politics. She rejected bourgeois culture and embraced the labor movement, equality and independence for women, freedom of speech, and radical revolution. She was opposed to violence in theory, but not in practice. She once said, if people want to do away with assassins, they must do away with the conditions which produce murderers. Because of her inflammatory views, Emma was frequently harassed and arrested by the police. It got so bad that during one lecture she gave, she chained herself to the podium to make it physically impossible for the police to remove her. Emma's commitment to freedom of speech was inspirational to many. In fact, the founder of the American Civil Liberties Union, Roger Baldwin, credits Emma for motivating him to dedicate his life to the principle of freedom. As America drifted closer to entering World War I, Emma became outspoken in her opposition to the war. In 1917, she was sentenced to two years in jail for conspiring against the draft. When her sentence was up, the U.S. deported her to Soviet Russia. For years, Emma had held up Russia as the template for revolution. But when she arrived, she was dismayed to find it wasn't the utopia she thought it would be. So she started writing essays about the failures of the Russian Revolution and the tyranny of the Bolshevik regime. Her writing alienated many of her former allies. After two years, Emma left Russia and moved to France. There, she wrote a 1,000-page autobiography called Living My Life, which revealed the breadth of her political interests. In 1936, at the age of 67, Emma was reinvigorated by the rumblings of a new anarchist revolution, this time in Spain. She dove back into political action, helping Spanish anarchists fight against fascism in the Spanish Civil War. Four years later, in May of 1940, Emma died of a stroke. It was only after her death that she was allowed back in the U.S. Her body was buried in Chicago, near the graves of the labor activists who had inspired her to join the anarchist cause so many years prior. Till the end of her life, Emma Goldman fought tirelessly to build a world that she believed in, without worrying about the risks. All month, we're talking about troublemakers and villains. For more about why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. As always, we'll be taking a break for the weekend. Talk to you on Monday.